Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Rian Brewster to my Billy Sharp. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how the hell are you, dear boy? I'm feeling a lot better than you. You sound a bit nasally still. Maybe a bit hungover. What's I'm a bit on? nasally. I'm also a bit hungover. Yes, that's right. I've been at a Park Life festival this weekend. It was a very good day yesterday. Um, saw Paul Pogba dancing on stage for some reason. He was yeah, there. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, Stormzy popped up to say hi as well. It was good. It was good first day. It, today seems like it's going to be better, although it seems like uh, the weather forecast isn't too friendly. But nonetheless, I'm going to have a jolly good time. Uh, had a few summer's bees yesterday, so... Always good. Always good, Justin. How was your weekend? Let, let's talk about your weekend instead. Because, uh, I've, I've, I've obviously got my own festivities going on. How about yours? I'm I'm laying kitchen floor at the minute, so it's not too fun. I did nearly Jesus hack off my God. finger. Yeah, I did nearly hack off, hack off my finger yesterday, which was as bad as uh, interesting as it got. But I, I left with all my digits intact. I'm all good. Okay. Okay, well, that's good to hear because I prefer you to have all of your fingers when you're about to record the number one championship-specific podcast because that's what you're listening to, ladies and gentlemen. It's the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to run through all the games from the past weekend in the championship, talk about some of the news from the past few days, and then we'll finish off for the Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight right at the end. And I'll tell you what, we have had some big results this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. And let's start off with a massive shock. Fulham, who have been steamrolling everyone so far this season. They lost 1-0 to Blackpool. Josh Bowler with the goal. Who saw this coming? I hear you ask. Well, none other than Justin Peach had a bit of an inkling about it on Thursday. Justin, your prophecy, it came true. It did, it did. It's probably the first one in, what, we're three seasons in recording this podcast ever? A broken clock is right twice a day. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah, it was was a very good result for Blackpool, obviously, and clearly a result of the weekend. And um, I've got to say, you've got to take your hats off to to Blackpool because I think they they, um, restricted Fulham to shots outside the box nothing nothing really clear cut and there was a lot of um a lot of uh endeavor from blackpool and um, a lot of credit needs to go to them for for getting the result because even though i said i, I do fancy them to pick something up i only half believed it i think i don't know <laughs> well we were saying weren't we for them this season they've just been battering teams in the first mm-hmm like few 20 minutes really haven't they and then mm-hmm. from that point on teams have been like oh well it's going to be a struggle to get anything from this game now but Blackpool kept it solid and when it got to half time you were thinking to yourself maybe Blackpool could get something here mm-hmm. because of what we were just saying Fulham scoring all their goals early and then Blackpool just managed to keep the door shut and mm-hmm. 
defensively, they were brilliant, weren't they? Because as you say, they restricted Fulham to nothing but shots from far out. And it's surprising, really, because Fulham have shown this season, no matter what they have put in front of them, they managed to find a way to break down that door mm. eventually. But that just wasn't the case here, was it? Because Blackpool were so good defensively. No, absolutely. And I think as well as that, Blackpool were, were very good going forward. They're a team that did not play with any fear at all. It was a bit of a, I guess, a one-off in, in, in some ways for Blackpool in the sense that because of the golfing quality and, and, and squad depth and, and what have you, you know, the, that's going to play a part in, in, in what you're doing in the game. And, and, and for Blackpool, it, it meant that they just let the shackles off. You saw with the, the bowler goal, for example, picking the uh, picking the ball up from quite deep. And um, he literally bowls over defenders. Um, <laughs> he, literally, he, he does. He runs through in between Fulham defenders. And it was a very good goal, early contender for a goal of the month, um, if you ask me. And um, I think that was a period in the first half as well where Kesh Anderson picks the ball up. Goes past, I think it was Jean Michael uh, Seri, um, and and squares it to, to, to uh, Tyrese John Jules, and, and he he's sort of narrowly narrowly away from it. It didn't didn't quite get his tail on it. They were quite direct in their running, and I think Fulham, I guess, a bit surprised by it because I don't think they've had that yet this season. Um, they've not had a team that have just let the shackles off and and just been ran at. Um, so I think it was a, a test that, an early test that Fulham failed and um, certainly a lot of learning curves for, for them in this game. Mm. I don't think you can read too much in, into this game from a Fulham perspective. No. They're, they're not going to, you know, steamroller every team this season, are they? Um, for Blackpool, though, we was, well, I was saying that start of the season, I don't think they were too good. Then in the games just before the international break, they seem to be getting better. And then this is a massive sign of uh, what could be potentially on the horizon for them. They need to build on it, of course, because we've seen teams in the past who have, you know, been near the bottom of the table, managed to get a win against a top, top side, but then not managed to capitalise on it and end up just, you know, sinking without trace, really. So it's important they build on this. But yeah, let's not take anything away from Blackpool. This was a fantastic performance for Neil Critchley's boys and uh, he'll be a very happy man indeed. Sheffield United season has finally got underway, Justin. They beat Peterborough 6-2. How you go from scoring one all season to scoring six in one game, I- I'm not too sure. Actually, I am quite sure. I'll tell you how it happened, Justin. <laughs> Morgan Gibbs-White and Iliman Ndaye, who <laughs> might not be too familiar to many people. He wasn't someone who was too familiar to me. He was actually a Jimmy the Punt who told me about him in a, the midweek betting mm-hmm. show. Um, he was saying that, Sheffield United's hierarchy are a massive, massive fan of Ndiaye and they've got big hopes for him in the future. And he's come in here, got two two goals here and looks the best player on the pitch. He was absolutely phenomenal, wasn't he? He's, he's clearly a player with, with potential and he's coming in and he's going to um, offer Sheffield United something a little bit different. Sheffield United have got a very good academy. You've got the likes of Calvert-Lewin have come through it, Carl Walker, Carl Norton going way back and then recently you've got Harry Maguire um, so they've always had a good reputation with with bringing through academy players and Ndai, Ndai is, is, is one of them um, I think one of the, uh, the the funny moments in the game was obviously Ndai getting cramping I think it was in both his legs after his second goal um, which was yeah um, it showed how hard he worked I guess in the game and for Sheffield United it's something to, to build and as, as we say a key difference was getting bodies in the box I think it was Ben Osborne's goal for the third one. Um, there was five players in the box, which a few weeks ago, there was one or two. I think that was the key difference here. Well, going back to Endai, I think um, following on from what Jimmy was saying, he was also saying that 
um, the hierarchy fancy him as a bigger prospect than the likes of Cal Walker and Harry Maguire. So big praise for him. One to keep an eye on for sure, especially after this performance where he was absolutely electric. Gibbs White as well, someone I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of. Um, playing on the wing here, interesting move. Uh, whether that continues, we'll wait and see. But I don't think you can underestimate how good the man up top was. Billy Sharp getting a hat-trick of assists here. And it's getting a bit tiresome me going on about this all the time, Justin. But when you've got £50 million worth of strikers in this squad and you've got, you know, 35 or 75-year-old Billy Sharp up top who is still proving to be the most useful forward they've got. It's just astonishing, isn't it? But uh, yeah, Sheffield United, they'll be very happy with this, getting the first three points of the season on the board. They'll have tougher tests than Peterborough. Um coming up this season but uh yeah they will be happy to finally get her the pressure off Slavisa Jukanovic just a bit and this is kind of how I thought Peterborough would be this season Justin scoring goals but incredibly leaky at the back and uh whether this is a sign of things to come what do you think I don't know because they're going at half time and it's 1-1 um so obviously Sheffield United have got gears to go through. We knew that already. They're, they're playing in second gear in the, the first five or six games of the season. They were really poor. Um, so I think Peter were going in at half-time. They were thinking, we can get something from this. They were, they were, sniffing, they were sniffing a result, definitely. Um, so for them to come out in the second half and, and I guess just collapse under the pressure of, of Sheffield United is really, really poor. But you take the first half performance, that was good, that was fine. Um, second half, not good enough. So... Darren Ferguson's obviously got to find that balance. I just there is a lot more to come from this Peterborough side that we haven't seen yet. I think players are still getting back to full fitness. We saw Jack Marriott, Rob, um, Norrington Davis for the for the first goal. That's what he's very good at. Very robust player, very good at um, bearing down on goal, and he, and he is a good finisher when he's on form. And um, so I was delighted for him to, to pick up goal. It's just a shame that they couldn't see it out with a result. But as I say, first half performance fine. That was good. Second half terrible. Yeah, good to see Marriott get on the score sheet because he's had a tough couple of seasons, Anti. But uh, if they manage to get him back to his best, then that's good. Clark Harris didn't start this game, so once he's back fully fit as well, then we all know what he is capable of. Um, in a game that was a bit of a thiverber this weekend between two sides who have started very well, Sexy Stoke against Huddersfield. And it was the Potters who came out on top, winning 2-1. Considering Sexy Stoke have been so sexy this season... These are two of the least sexy goals going, weren't they? I don't know. That Van Vantrich corner for, for Jacob Brown was just pinpoint on his head. There's 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 joy and glamour to a, a good corner cross coming in. You've gotta you've gotta give it credit a little bit. Yeah, but it's not sexy, is it? It's not like the sexy stoke that we're used to. If we, you know, we what have I mean. we have de different definitions of sexy, right? That's okay. That's fine. We're different. You, you love a good cross into the box, cross and header. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> <Proper> Brexit goal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talking about the other goal, Matty Pearson, uh, Jimmy Traore called. He wants his own goal back. That was a, <laughs> it was a comical one, wasn't it? It was, and you've got to feel for Matty Pearson there because he started the season pretty well for his field. Um, so, yeah, really, really unfortunate way to um, concede, wasn't it? But um, I thought Huddersfield were, were, were good. Yeah, I don't think Stoke were the better side by any means. I thought Huddersfield had the better chances. Um, there were just a lot of key players that were below par, for example. I thought Josh Caroma and Lewis O'Brien were, were both pretty poor. Passing was a bit conservative at times, and, and they were missing Levi Colwell as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, actually. I thought Huddersfield was still quite impressive, really. Sorba Thomas, we keep going on about him. This is pretty much becoming a Sorba Thomas show. 
even though Huddersfield lost, he still created four chances. The man's just a chance-creating machine, isn't he? It's, it's phenomenal how he can just continue being this unbelievable player from wing-back of all positions as well. It's not like he's, you know, up top. He's just, <laughs> he's basically a wing-back who's being the most creative player in the whole division. It's okay. remarkable. But yeah, Stoke, they'll be happy with the result nonetheless, no matter how the performance went. Still third. Still looking very good. Old Stoke and now a joint level with a Fulham in second place at the moment. So, yeah, looking very well. Oh, old Stoke. After Fulham's loss, West Brom now top of the league. But they could only draw one all with Millwall. This was a good game. Good chances for both sides and really could have gone either way. Colin Grant did miss a penalty. I thought it was a case of West Brom's key players. They didn't have a great day at the office, did they, Justin? I thought it was more West Brom overall were probably below par themselves. There's a lot of bad back passes, for example, from West Brom defenders. I think they got away with one with, uh, I think it was a Jai paid it back. Um, so I just think the whole the whole team was 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 a little bit below par, which is almost to be expected when you're coming back off the international breaks. When you've got good momentum and you've got a two-week break, so why we hate international breaks, especially if your team's in form, it, 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 it does impact it a little bit. And we saw a little bit of that in this game. Um, I thought West Brom... Obviously, he had chances to go ahead. The, the penalty was was a good chance, really good save from Bierkowski, By the way, I don't think um, I think Grant got a lot behind it. I thought he was quite quite unfortunate, really. Um, but yeah, I just think West Brom were were below par themselves rather than key players being below par. No, I think defensively they were all right. They Millwall had a, had a few chances, but uh, they weren't exactly creating them for fun. And West Brom were relatively solid. I'm looking at the likes of Alex Marat, for example, who. Is someone we're a massive fan of, but you really struggled to have an, an influence on this game. And the front three were pretty much non-existent. I mean, Grady Dean Garner completed two passes in 45 minutes that he was on the pitch. And actually, he, he's had a pretty poor start to the season, hasn't he? He's, I remember when West Brom got promoted and he was absolutely electric, him and Pereira. But then he's obviously had that poor season in the Premier League last season where I think he only managed to get one goal on the on the uh, on his tally for the season, and then this season he hasn't contributed to any goals. He's been fairly poor in pretty much every game so far this season. And I'm looking at people like him. Even though West Brom have started so well, you need players like Dean Garner to really step up, and because it this is the kind of level that he should be tearing defenses apart. But it's not really happened so far. And you're looking at other players, the likes of Mauer, uh, Robinson, to really get the points on the board for West Brom. But Dean Garner's just not doing enough for me at the moment. And considering they've got so many brilliant forward options, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, he's given a bit of a break. But uh, nonetheless, they would have gone into this game expecting three points, wouldn't they? They got a point. A point is all they deserve, really, because Millwall, a good performance from them defensively, very solid, weren't they? It was it was a good discipline performance. Um, and they, they probably edged the chances, especially in the second half. So to come away with, with a point, might have been disappointing as the game went on, um, but it's it's a good positive performance for for them to build on because there were times before the international break where they look really poor, um, and they're coming up against a West Brom side. You know what you're going to get from from West Brom. They've got good technical players. You mentioned Dean Garner. There's 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 Grant. There's Mowat. They're good from set of pieces. You know they're, they're a full package. West Brom. Um, so for West uh, for, for Millwall to to put up a good uh, as good as discipline performance as they did is a is a massive plus for them. And as I say. Probably a little bit disappointed to come away with just a point. Okay, well, I was saying that he was fairly happy with his side's performance. 
they managed to take in all the pressing that West Brom are doing and managed to soak it up. So, yeah, positive considering they have been pretty slow to start this season. Uh, there was a very one-sided game at the Vitality Stadium. Bournemouth beat Barnsley 3-0. Barnsley only managed two shots, both of which were from distance and neither of which were on target. Bournemouth also could have scored a couple more because they missed some good chances here, Justin. A very, very one-sided game. It was, and obviously we're going to talk about Bournemouth first, but there's something missing from Barnsley, and I don't know what it is, but going back to Bournemouth, I think they, they just didn't allow Barnsley any um, potential to, to play at all. Um, we saw it's such a contrast in, in, in games and styles where Barnsley last season was so aggressive in that in that win against Bournemouth at the Vitality towards the end of the season last season. Not quite the same here. I think it was more Bournemouth being the aggressive side uh, in terms of their press, in terms of their possession. Um, and yeah, it was a very complete performance. Probably a little bit disappointed didn't score anymore. But when your left backs, when your left backs scoring, you're having a good day, aren't you? Yeah, Jordan Zamora, the young left back, only 21, got on the score sheet twice. He's had a pretty good start to the season, really, Anthony. Because again, Bournemouth, they're kind of in the same category as the three relegated sides, aren't they? In in the way that they've got an embarrassment of riches. Yet Jordan Zamora has not looked out of place at all, considering this is pretty much his first full season in professional mm. football. And uh, he's looked class. He really has. But uh, yeah, Bournemouth in general haven't particularly convinced me so far this season. It is obviously very early on, but this was a lot better from them. You know, you know how governments and health bodies have watch lists for things they're concerned about. Mm. I'm going to put Barnsley on my watch list <laughs> for no major cause for concern yet, but they haven't particularly hit the ground running under Marcus shop. It's not been the smoothest of transitions from the Valerie and Ishmael era, but they were really poor here. And just before the international break, they were really poor against Birmingham, but somehow managed to get a point from that game. But then I was having a look back through their games so far this season. Obviously it's still very early on, so we won't get too carried away just yet, but they've been fortunate on multiple occasions now. And if those performances continue, then they won't be able to keep picking up points like they are. And it's also got to be pointed out, teams below Barnsley are improving as well. So I'd say there's cause for concern. Let's not get too worried just yet, Justin, but uh, Barnsley, what do you think? It, they haven't been great so far, have they? No, this is this is what I was trying to trying to say. There's just something missing from them. Um, I, I go back to the QPR game where they were so so good for 45 minutes in the first half, and they went two 0 up. And then second half, it just drifted away. And I think I think there's been Birmingham game after that. Just the poor performance just started to seep in a little bit. Um, you know, obviously Mallet, uh, Alex Malwood pulling the strings, missing that is is a big blow. They lo- they lost the physical presence in DK up front. They've got players that. Um, they brought in over the summer that need to settle into the side. Barnsley have always been slow starters, haven't they? You go back to the Daniel Stendhal season, very slow start. Um, and obviously, then he, then he was sacked. And then under, um, um, well, not, not Struber. It was Struber then Adam Murray, wasn't it? It was a slow start again until Ishmael came in. I expect the same again this season. But as you say, there are teams below them that are going to improve, that are going to pick up points. And Barnsley need to be in that category as well. So, a lot to do, I think, for shop, but nothing to be overly concerned about just yet. Just be better. Just yet. Well, that will make sure there's emphasis on that. Uh, on Friday night, Birmingham continued their good start to the season with a comfortable 2-0 win over Derby. I say comfortable. It was actually very comfortable, really, wasn't it, Justin? 
It, it was. I think the first 10 minutes, Derby were really good. But from Birmingham City's perspective, Derby didn't offer anything um, past the halfway line, I don't think. They, they, they kept the ball too often between the centre-halves and, and didn't really threaten. But that, I think that's down to Birmingham City's game plan and game management, where they were happy with Derby to have the ball, kept Derby where they wanted, and they seized on, on the mistakes, as we saw with the, the Buchanan back pass and um, Scott Hogan goal. It was, it was a clear error forced into it from, from Birmingham City's organised pressing. Mm. It was a very professional performance, I thought, from Birmingham. And every time I see them, they're looking more and more like genuine playoff contenders. Again, it is early into, into the season. I can't emphasise this enough, so we won't get too carried away just yet. But considering how well they've started and how much better they look than they did this time last season, it, it really is chalk and cheese, isn't it? And mm. I, I'm getting quite excited about uh, Blues and considering they've managed to strengthen with the likes of uh, Dini on deadline day and Chong is looking like a real, real talent. Then there's a lot to like about Blues at the moment, especially with Lee Bowyer in charge, who has uh, proven himself to be a very good tactician at this level. And uh, it's got to be pointed out the difference in how they look defensively as well. They restricted Derby to barely anything here. Derby barely had a sniff, did they? Mm. And uh, considering Birmingham last season were very negative, but were still conceding goals for fun. It's uh, quite remarkable how Bowyer's managed to turn it around and make them into a very efficient unit. Uh, quick word on Derby. Best chance was Tom Lawrence early on, wasn't it? But they were clearly second best here, weren't they? And I wonder if, despite their good start to the season, I wonder if this is the beginning of the long, hard season that we were expecting, Justin? It, it feels like it, isn't it? They've got a, um, a difficult running over the next few games as well, West Brom coming up in midweek. Um, so it would it, it does feel like, okay, now the first six, five, oh, five, first five games are done, did very well. It's a bit of a, a down-to-earth feeling now, um, or possibly a little bit below-earth because of the situation Derby are in. Um, player-wise, there's just not enough in in this in the squad. Um, I'm trying to remain positive. As I say, I thought there were some phases of play that were really, really positive, really, really good. But Rooney's not got enough tools at his disposal to to get enough out of um, the, the 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 team essentially. And it's a massive, massive shame because, as I say, some of the passes of play are very, very good. It's up there with with some of the best football in the league I've seen so far. Big praise. Right, Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about wins for Coventry and draws elsewhere in the Championship. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Coventry's good start to the season. That continued to rock and roll. They beat Middlesbrough 2-0. A surprisingly comfortable win here, and I mean that with no disrespect to Coventry, but Borough didn't really offer too much at all here, did they? Well, under Neil Warnock, um, any Neil Warnock side going away from home are going to be a good away side, but as you say, didn't really offer much. There were chances from Borough's perspective, um, but they just didn't have anything clear-cut enough, and I think that's down to Coventry's organisation without the ball uh, as much as it is... Borough being quite blunt. Um, but as you say, yeah, there's a, a lot of positives for Coventry, but from Borough's perspective, it's been a poor start to the season. Mm. They managed to hit the crossbar in this game, but not much else. Really not much else. They were definitely lacking something in the final third here. Paddy McNair was missing and he brings a lot 
to Borough at the back end, up, up the top of the pitch as well. So, uh, plenty to build on for Borough here, but not too convincing a start to the season. But fair play to Coventry. They did look classy, didn't they? It was a really good team performance. Well, there's a team every season, isn't there, that we get fairly badly wrong um, in terms of where we predict them to finish. And I think Coventry are going to be that team this season. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll happily have the egg on our chin, um, egg in our face. That's that's completely wrong, sorry. <laughs> it's close. It's part it's of close. the face. Yeah, it's, it's part of the face. Um but they, they, they've, they've had a really strong start at home. I thought they'd struggle initially at the Rico, but they've had a, um, a 100% start at home so far. Um, and again, really good approach play. I think there was a, um, I think it was Gustavo Hamer um, played a really nice tidy ball um, in, in, in behind. And then it, it was squared to Jamie Allen, who that was a, a bit of a ricocheted shot. It was a bit of chaos, but it was really good football. Um, and the, the the goal from Gerkeres, for example, was it was a counter attack. So they've got ability to mix the game up, and it's yeah a really really good start from Coventry. I think the only thing that could impact them is if if injuries build up to key players. But they've got a lot more depth now than they did last season. Mm. You mentioned Gerkeres there, who it's just remarkable how different a forward he looks because he's gone from this very unremarkable forward to a man who's now full of confidence. And you saw that here, the goal. He's just eased past the Middlesbrough defender and then gone past the goalkeeper. A, go- a striker who's low in confidence would not be able to do that, but he is just, you can see the confidence flowing out of him at the moment. And he, he looks a threat every time the ball goes near him. And the assist for Waghorn as well, he, he's a really good all round striker. But considering, as I say, last season, he was fairly unremarkable. You wouldn't have really listed him in the top two strikers at Coventry really now, but this season he's probably been the best striker in the league, or at least in the conversation as the best striker in the league. And uh, if he manages to continue this throughout the season, then Coventry, who knows what they could accomplish this season. As you say, we could be proved very wrong, but it is, of course, very early on still, Justin. Uh, a John Swift hat-trick wasn't enough for Reading to beat QPR. They drew 3 all. I tell you what, if there was an award for the most substantial difference in performance by an individual compared to the rest of his teammates, then John Swift would be walking off with that bugger right now because there's an argument for him being player of the season in these first six games. I think he's top scorer now as well. Yes. Uh, I think he's got six and the next highest is four. Yet Reading is still in the relegation zone. It, how How can a player be so much better than the rest of his teammates? It's it's a strange one, isn't it? Reading just look a far cry defensively from where they were last season, um, and they did all the hard work, or or John Swift did all the hard work, should we say? Um, and yeah, it's just very frustrating, isn't it? I can't imagine being a Reading fan and and, and seeing your team blow a a two goal lead like that. Um, they had some really good spells going forwards. There were some major positives, especially in the second half, apart from conceding two goals. Um, but again, totally failed to, to manage the game. Um, they've done that a lot this season so far. 16 goals conceded um, is quite a staggering number. Uh, it's three a game on average, if my maths are correct. Not mm, good. It's close. Um, yeah, oh, 16, 16 goals in six games is pretty shocking, really, isn't it? Only one other team has let in more than 11 this season. And Reading have got the highest... Uh, goals tally at the back so yeah it, it, the goals they conceded here weren't as defensively comical as we have seen 
so far this season. But considering they were 3-1 up in the 79th minute, to blow that lead is pretty shocking. And poor John Swift, who the three goals he scored, your accomplished Premier League striker would be proud of all three of those finishes. But he, he must just be looking at the backs thinking, I'm doing all the hard work up here, yet you lot at the back are letting the team down. And he's got every right to feel like that, really, hasn't he? But uh, nonetheless, QPR, uh, Mark Warburton admitted it was a bad day at the office for his side. But they're still unbeaten, still hanging around in the playoff spots at the moment. But uh, yeah, one to build on for him. Uh, a 98th-minute equaliser from Luke Berry. Saw Luton draw 2-2 with Blackburn. Uh, Blackburn were 2 nil up until the 73rd minute. Tyree Stolen and Harry Pickering with the goals for Rovers. Whenever I hear Harry Pickering, I always think of that video do you know which one i mean the um do you know I'm, 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 I'm harry pickering is it harry pickering no you've got to yeah, you've yeah, got to put yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, every time i hear harry pickering he just instantly takes me back to that video nonetheless this was a great game wasn't it some of the chances both teams missed was just absolutely remarkable but uh yeah i think a point for both sides probably deserved Probably. I mean, there's so much to dissect in this game going from both teams' performances to some of the goals to the refereeing and, and Mowbray's comments. Let's talk about the, the refereeing, Justin, because uh, okay, Oli Langford really going to. off with cramp is, a, is a particularly interesting. It's embarrassing. it's embarrassing, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I just... Going off with cramp, maybe a calf strain or hamstring strain, fair enough. But going off with cramp, um, you, you need to be fitter to be uh, an EFL ref. I, it's just staggering. It's, it's completely Tim Potter, if I'm being absolutely honest with you. Um, and, he, and he made poor, poor decision after poor decision during the game. Tony Mowbray described it as a wild, wild west. And it's hard to disagree with him. The, the tackle from Daryl Lenahan, um, I just lost for words. I can't believe it was a yellow card. And even, um, I think it was, uh, I can't remember what Luton, Luton player it was, but a bit of afters on Travis. Again, lucky to get away with just a yellow. It was appalling refereeing. And it summed up by going off with cramp. Have you ever had cramp? Yeah. Um, like, during, during a game? Yeah. I, I haven't you because know. I'm exceptionally fit. Exactly. There you go. Drink, <laughs> yeah, drinking Lenahan. the ciders. Exactly. That, that Lenahan challenge was... A shocker it's got to be said so I'm not sure what Mr Langford was thinking here but he he didn't have a great day at the office it's got to be said but uh yeah entertaining game anyway it contributed to an entertaining game. game yeah really good game but uh, yeah the refereeing left a lot to be desired something we've not said for the first time this season or ever on this podcast uh Swansea nil Hall nil Swansea had 69% possession but didn't particularly create anything too substantial and that's been a fairly common theme for Swansea this season, Justin. Yeah, it has, and it's it's something that I, I imagine will improve as they sort of integrate the new signings uh, into the side. There were, I mean, they got into the box on a, on a fair number of occasions. I think Ethan Laird was unlucky not to get a penalty, um, but there's 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 positives that they that they can build on, and um, certainly you've got Jamie Patterson back in the team as well. Um, I'm going to butcher his name, Olivia Enchum. Enchum. Encham, um, bringing him in was a was a masterstroke of a transfer. I thought because um, he's got very good pedigree and he's, he's going to be a creative player who's going to get a lot more out of um, Swansea in the final third. Definitely, so give the signings time to settle in. A lot has happened for Swansea, so it's nothing to be too alarmed about. I think they will improve over, uh, over time. It's this massive squad turnover that we were talking about, isn't it? How 
the side that we saw play in the playoff final is just not there anymore. I'm looking at the team that played yesterday. You got Grimes, Norton, and Bidwell. I think they're the only three players that played in the playoff finals. So there is a massive turnover and it's going to take time for those players to gel. As you say, when you've got the likes of Encham, Patterson, Oberfemi, these are exciting attacking players and eventually it will come good for Swansea, I think. Um, But yeah, I'm looking at Swansea and uh, they're not on the Barnsley caution list just yet that I was mentioning earlier but uh, they've got to play a lot better than they have done so far this season uh, we were talking about not creating anything, anything substantially it's not like Hull did either they only had one shot on target so let's not get too carried mm-hmm. away there and then if there was one game this weekend which had nil-nil written all over it it was going to be Bristol City versus Preston and that's exactly how it finished goalless there were two big chances for Rob Atkinson and Emil Reese Jakobsen so it could have gone either way, to be fair. Now, after this episode has been recorded, it's Forest versus Cardiff. So to give us a brief review of how that game went, here's Justin from the future. Ooh, this is Justin from the future. And I don't bring good news for Forest fans as it's another defeat this season for the uh, for the Reds. And it was a tale of two halves in some ways. I thought Forest were fairly decent in the first half Kai didn't really offer too much good flowing move for the grab and goal as well and both fullback, both, both debutant fullbacks made a big difference to Forest going forward but in the second half they got really naive didn't really do the basics Cardiff started to sweep up in midfield Marlon Pack I thought was was arguably might have the match potentially and um, I think Forest going forward to putting balls into the box for arguably the biggest most and most intimidating back three in the league and that's that's really where the game was lost was the quality of, of chances that were created but Cardiff turned it up a notch in the second half and as I say the introduction of Ruben Cole and Kiefer Moore made a huge difference with both being on the pitch for, for 50 odd seconds the, the greatest team sensation since Emma Raducanu Ruben Cole scored a brace here, his first senior brace or his first two senior goals in, 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 in senior football um, and and that was the difference between between Cardiff and, and, and Forest. Cardiff created the better chances in the second half and they took them and you, you've got to start to ask the question, where do Forest go from here with Chris Hewton? As for Mick McCarthy, he'll be pretty pleased with the, with the win despite not playing at their best. Thank you Justin from the future. Now ladies and gentlemen, we're going to see the return of a feature that we used to do before but is now returning to the second tier. Yes, that's right. We're partnering up once again with Who Knows Wins. Who Knows Wins is an app where you can join together with either your friends or your family or whoever to join together into one league. What you do is you predict all the results from a select number of games, and then the more people in the pots, the more money you can win. You can choose how much you stake in, and then... uh, Everything's up for grabs when you you get the results right. What we're doing is we're going to have our own league with all the three o'clock Saturday championship games. All you've got to do is join that and then you predict what results you think are going to be in the three o'clock Saturday championship games. And then if you manage to get all the results right or the most results right in the league, then you win some cash. Happy days. More people who enter, the bigger the prize. So make sure you download the Who Knows Wins app and uh, get involved, ladies and gentlemen. So what we're going to do now is go through all the results or all the games coming up on 3 o'clock on Saturday. Me and Justin are going to give you our predictions. Yes, we have got midweek games coming up, but we're only doing the Saturday games. So, Justin, first game that's coming up next weekend is Barnsley v Blackburn. Which way are you going? I'm going to go with a draw. I'm going to go Blackburn. Cardiff-Bournemouth. 
I'm going to go Cardiff. I'm going to go draw. Derby Stoke. Away win. Stoke for me. Uh, Fulham Reading. Uh, for home win, yeah. Yeah, Fulham. Huddersfield Forest. Draw. I'm going to go home win. Luton Swansea. I'm going to go home win. I'm also going to go home win. Borough Blackpool. Uh, draw. I'll go draw as well. Millwall Coventry. Ooh. Um, away win. I'll, I'm going to go draw. Peterborough Birmingham. Away win. Uh, yeah, I'll go away win as well. Preston West Brom. Draw. Really? Oh, I'll mm. go West Brom. And then uh, QPR Bristol City. Uh, home win. Yeah, I'll go QPR as well. So that's Who Knows Wins, ladies and gentlemen. If you join our league, uh, all you got to do is enter a small stake to get involved. And then, as I say, the more people who enter, the bigger the prize. So you may as well get involved. Small stake. Big prizes up for grabs. Why not? Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. And Huddersfield's Sober Thomas. He's won the Championship August Player of the Month award. And not too surprising, really, Justin. It's the most obvious thing possible, isn't it? It's as obvious as Mr. Obvious. I don't know. Captain Obvious. It's, 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 it's an easy win for him, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. I think I think there are a few contenders, to be fair. When you look at you know, Dickie and Flint scoring goals for fun, they're probably in there with a shout. But Sober Thomas, considering he's gone from, you know, non-league star to best player in the championship in the month of August, it's such a remarkable rise. So, yeah, probably deserved. Uh, Fulham boss Marco Silva has won manager of the month award. I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say that's not the only time he's going to win that award this season. Mm-hmm. Um Let's go to some depressing news, Justin. A West Brom fan has been found guilty of racially abusing Romain Sawyers on social media. Uh, the 50-year-old will be sentenced at the end of the month, while West Brom have given him a lifetime ban. Meanwhile, a 14-year-old boy has been questioned by police over a racist message sent to Swansea midfielder Jan Danda. Uh, moving on. Wayne Rooney has been criticising the fixture schedule. It's after Derby's game was played on Friday night. Following the international break, it meant Kamil Josriak couldn't play because he was playing for Poland on Wednesday. We, we were talking about this, weren't we? How there's so many games in the international break now. And when you're moving games to Friday, it, I, I do feel a bit of sympathy for Mr. Rooney. Do you? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have to. Yeah, I'm a Derby fan. Missing Kamil Oswiak is massive, especially after he pocketed Luke Shaw and Jack Grealish in the uh, in the game. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's frustrating, but we're at Sky TV's mercy, aren't we? Every every supporter, every uh, team, every manager is at the mercy of Sky TV because they can move fixtures whenever they want. I don't see why they just couldn't have put the game late on Saturday. That that's the only thing that's I'd a good say. Point. But, yeah. yeah, it just seems like there's an obvious gap there. But nonetheless, according to the Telegraph, West Brom were offered Ross Barkley towards the end of the summer transfer window. Ross Barkley in the Championship. I mean. That would have just been ridiculous, Justin. Yeah, it would have. I don't know if he'd have done very well in Ishmael's system, though. Uh, he's a player that you want to be on the ball as much as possible. So putting him in a system where the ball goes into channels, running in behind, you want him on the ball centrally so he can dictate things and open things up. 
just don't think it would have worked out the way we'd have uh, we'd have thought. I'm being mm, a pessimist I, here. I think, yeah, because I can see what you mean. Because when you got Mauer and Livermore in midfield, you'd probably say Barkley's obviously going to play ahead of Alex Mauer, but then you've got a really talented player, probably the best player, one of the best players in the championship there on the bench. So maybe if you put him in the front three, I don't know. Yeah, I can, I can see what you mean. Maybe he won't fit into the system, but uh, yeah, having Ross Barkley in the championship would have just been incredible. Uh, Lewis Cook signed a new contract at Bournemouth. The new deal will keep him at the club until 2024. He hasn't played since March after suffering a serious knee injury. We were talking earlier about how many talented players Bournemouth have got. You forget about Lewis Cook, don't you? Because he's been away from the game for so long. But when he comes back, then, Jesus Christ, the number of centre midfielders they've got, just crazy. And then finally, Birmingham's fiasco with their stadium is getting slightly better. You remember how they had to keep two stands closed because they needed repairs. Well, they've now been allowed to open part of one of those stands but the club had aimed for both stands to be back open for the Derby game on Friday night, but that's obviously not been the case. So not ideal there. Justin, let's do some polls. This is the part of the show where we give you three questions on Twitter because we want to get your guys' opinion on what's going on. Uh, So the first question we asked is this. Will anyone else finish in the top two this season other than Fulham and West Brom? Yes or no? Justin? I'll tell you what, if Sheffield United do play regularly and consistently like I did against Peterborough when they get bodies in the box and create things then I, I I do fancy them to put a run together and do that. You can have it just got previous. Um but at the minute I don't think they I don't think any other team will so no. Yeah I struggle to see anyone other than Fulham and West Brom finishing in that top two come the end of the season. Sixty-five uh, percent of people agree with us. Thirty-five percent said they fancy someone else to get in there. Uh, what's harder to get through Reading's defence or a wet paper bag? Um, wet paper bag. I, know, I don't know. I've seen some sturdy wet paper bags in my time. Eighty-seven percent uh, of people said the wet paper bag is harder to get through. Thirteen <laughs> percent said Reading's defence. And uh, finally, is Stoke in the top ten away days in the Championship? Yes or no? Now this comes, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, after Justin was asked a question on F365, Football365, which uh, we've been taking part in. If you want to subscribe now, head over to our Twitter. Um, And they were talking about the best away days in the championship. Justin said Stoke is one of his favourite away days. Do you want to justify that decision? Yeah, so... (laughs) Come on, I'm ready. (laughs) It's really difficult. I mean, look, I've been to Fulham away, I've been to Forest away, I've been to, um, obviously, Griffin Park, etc. Luton. I've been to a lot of away grounds, and they're all brilliant, but I wanted to go somewhere a little bit left field, a little bit less obvious. And Stoke, I've only ever really enjoyed going to the Bet365. But the last couple of times I've been, it's been very warm. So that sways it massively, because I don't experience the wet cold wind that you get um at right right, okay i'm I'm gonna stop you there i have got so many questions right now but i'm very wary of the time that we're up against um because it's warm is the only reason why you it's a a good atmosphere it's very easy for me to get to so i've got a lot of bias there um and every time you're driving over the a50 it's really crap road but then you see the uh, bet 365 lit up on the hills it's lovely it's great what has that got to do with the quality of the away day? 
It's a good atmosphere. The tunnel's by the the, the, the corner of the stand. And as I say, it's very easy to get to. So you, you are really grasping at straws. Here, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I do regret. I do regret it. But it's up there. <laughs> well, seventy-one percent of people said Stoke is not in their top ten away mm. days. Uh, so I think you're pretty isolated on that opinion, Justin. Uh, 29% of people said, yes, it is in the top 10 away days. So you, you've got a couple of followers who agree with you, but uh, not many. Uh, right now, it's time for this. Hi, Simon Grayson here. So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Now, of course, usually we'd be here with guests, but it is just me and Justin this week. So what we've been doing instead is uh, testing each other on our championship expertise, expertoire, as you might say. Um, so the part of the game is that I usually give Justin eight of a certain answer that he's got a name. For example, named Darren Bent's eight clubs that he played for in his career. Justin managed to see that off with ease. If he gets one wrong, then he loses. But if he manages to answer all eight without getting any of them wrong, then he wins. But now, ladies and gentlemen, we're turning the tables because we're feeling a bit fruity this week. Thought we might change it up a bit. So Justin is going to give me Simon Grayson's hateful eight this week and we'll see how I get on for once. So Justin, I'm ready. Hit me, baby. Give me the Simon Grayson hateful eight, please. I don't think you're ready. I don't think anyone is ever ready. It is a stressful game. Is this going to be ridiculously hard? Uh, Let's uh, let's get into it. (laughs) Blackpool last won a championship game in the 2014-2015 season. And their opponents yesterday, Fulham, have had eight managers since that season. In that eight managers, it's including two caretaker managers. You're including the caretaker managers? I'm including the caretaker managers because I don't have the same zest of uh, that as you do. So, can you name me the last eight managers they've had? Fulham. Fulham. Okay. Are we counting Marco Silva in this? Yes. So that's one. Okay. Marco Silva. Uh, Scott Parker. Correct. Then you've got Big Slav. Correct. You're not going chronologically here, are you? Apparently not. Ooh. Ooh, I took over from Big Slav. <laughs> it's not nice, is it? <laughs> uh, okay, I'll come back to that. Um, so it's since they beat Blackpool in 2015, 2014 or whatever. Um, in that time... Each I can't believe it. I can't believe you're including the caretakers in this. Uh, I'm going to say Felix McGatt. Was he there? He was the first one. Okay, He's good. the first one. Right now, I've just got to figure out who took over from Felix McGatt. Uh, is Kit Simons there? Yeah, that's the second one. Okay. And then you're entering caretaker territory. I thought Kit Simons was one of the caretakers. He got appointed permanently, I think. Um, hmm. One of them's still a coach there now. That's does not help me because the only one I can Ooh. think of is Lewis Boromorte and he wasn't a manager at any point was he one um, of them one of them's a Premier League winner oh Ranieri there you go gotta push you along <laughs> he forgot he was a... gotta push you along a little bit right you've got the, you've just got the caretakers left one what? of them why have you included the caretakers because it it rounded up nicely to number this eight. This is and clearly not a Simon Grayson's hateful eight this, this is, is a Simon Grayson's not... hateful hateful you never... eight yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. But you never explained the rules to me. You never said, you can't have caretaker managers, Justin. No, you just said, do a Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight for me. I've done a Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight for you. Tell me the caretaker managers now. 
Um, I don't have a clue, Justin. I honestly don't have a clue. The one you should get is Stuart Gray. I would have never got that in a million years. He's still the coach. He's a mastermind behind Fulham's success. I'm telling you, he's the man. And then you would never have got this. The other one's Peter Grant. He managed Norwich for 50 games. Why on earth have you included the caretaker managers? I'd have got them. No, you wouldn't. I would have got them. 100%. You would have not got them. I'd I'd have got them 100. That is that is scandalous. You, we've had never... we've had the scandal of Martin Craney and Owen Garvan, and now you're throwing this on me as well. What 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 this is telling me is you cannot cope with the pressure of Simon Grace's hateful eight. No, what you you don't you just you can't cope. It's fine. When it, whenever you're in charge of the quizzes, it all just goes horribly wrong. Is all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> right, let, let's end this shit show here. <laughs> this has been the second tier podcast. Uh, we've got midweek games coming up, so we'll be back again on Thursday to review all the games from midweek, and then next weekend we'll finally have guests back. Hip hip hooray! I can't wait because just talking to Justin all the time gets on your gears eventually. Clearly um, rattled you, haven't I? You, you have rattled me, actually. <laughs> yes, you have quite a bit. Um, as always, if uh, you wouldn't mind leaving us a comment and rating on wherever you listen to your podcast, that'll go down very well with us. And also, may I remind you, Voting is still very much open for the Football Content Awards. If you would not mind voting for us as Best Football League Podcast, we'll be extremely grateful. Uh, you can find a link to that in the description of this podcast. It only takes 10 seconds to do, so uh, please vote for us if you can. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.